0: everyone, and welcome to the Abiding Family Podcast. My name is Ashley Myers, and as always, I am excited to be with you guys for this episode talking about mental health and faith. I didn't plan to talk about this subject quite yet, but coming out of last week's episode, Lessons from the Lights, and I briefly touched on my struggles with depression and mental health, I just really felt led to continue this conversation. It is such an important conversation and one that is not often had in the faith community. And so I wanted to go ahead and have that conversation this week. And I do plan to get back into talking about families and that environment and situation, but um, mental health is something that does touch our families and it affects us as parents. It affects us as disciple makers, it does affect those things. And so I think part of being good disciple makers within our homes is having an understanding or an acceptance or an awareness is probably the best word of our mental health and where we are. There's a lot of misconceptions within the faith community about mental health. There's kind of this thought out there that if you have mental health struggles, you struggle with depression or anxiety that you just don't have strong enough faith. You just need to have a stronger faith in God. Um, and that if you have a stronger faith in God, it'll solve your mental health issues that mental health is either just, um, something that's an excuse to cover up bad behavior or mental health is an attention seeking, opportunity. And so there's just this idea that almost that mental health isn't real, or that it's a sign of weakness or a sign of lack of Christianity or lack of trust in God. There's this misunderstanding that the Bible doesn't talk about mental health. And while there may not be a passage that is explicitly says, here's how to handle depression and anxiety and different feelings and emotions and trauma. There's also a lot of things that the Bible does not explicitly talk about. And this is one of those topics. It may not, there may not be an explicit passage about it, but there is plenty of emotion and plenty of acknowledging struggle within scripture. I mean, we look at Judas who committed suicide after betraying Jesus. If you look at the Psalms, David is all over the place um, and some deep, dark moments of depression and struggle. Um, We see that Jesus, he wept and he had anger. Um, Jesus was filled with anxiety to the point that he sweat blood before going to the cross. We also see where Jesus retreated and rested, um, which probably is what helped keep his mental health in line. So while there may not be explicit passages in scripture, um, there is also a lot of different emotions and different mental illnesses, even throughout scripture. Um, And we see that God loves all everyone. Um, He even, you know, he had high praise of David, and yet David was all over the place with his emotions when you read the Psalms. And so God knows our emotions, and he knows our feelings, he knows our struggles and our weaknesses, and yet he chooses to love us still the same. One thing that I think is a common misconception is that we don't put mental health on the same level as any other. Illness, oftentimes we don't hesitate to go to the doctor when we're sick or if there's something wrong with us or even any other life-threatening illness or injury, we have no hesitation to seek medical help. But when it comes to mental health, anxiety, depression, um, any other of the things, I use anxiety and depression because those are the things that I personally struggled with the most. But any form of mental health, we hesitate to seek medical help. And that's something that I struggle and don't understand why. But yet I was right there in the same boat. I did not want to acknowledge my own personal struggles with mental health. I also wouldn't acknowledge that I don't need to compare my mental health to someone else's. I was hesitant to get help because so many other people had it worse than I did. Others had experienced way worse trauma than I had. And I could just handle it and I didn't need the help. And so it took me a long time to accept one, that I had some mental health issues that I needed to address. And then two, to actually go and get it and actually do it and take the steps to get myself healthier. You know, we have no problem in the faith community seeking out medical help or any other illness. You know, we believe that God uses doctors and medicine to help us, but we don't always feel the same when it comes to mental health or it comes to medications for mental health. And I firmly disagree. I believe that God uses medical professionals to help us in our mental health. Oftentimes, depression and anxiety and things, they they can come from a couple of different things. Sometimes it's a chemical imbalance in the body. Just like we can have a chemical imbalance that causes diabetes, that causes other things. The chemical imbalance, it can lead to the depression and the anxiety and that's where medicine is needed to come in and help correct that imbalance it can also come from events and traumas and things happening that our brain doesn't properly process and so it ends up in this loop that it can't break through and it can't appropriately process and file away and so we get stuck in it and we can't and that's what leads to these anxieties and um just mental stuckness. Um, that's not really a great word, but you get what I'm saying. Again, if we were to have any medical issue with any other muscle in our body, we would go to therapy, we would go to physical therapy and work it out. Um, we would have surgery if we needed to. We would do whatever it took to get ourselves healthy so we could get back to function. Well, our brain is also a muscle it functions and it has issues and sometimes it needs help. So I firmly believe that we shouldn't hesitate in getting help when it comes to mental health. I firmly believe that God uses therapists, psychologists, medications to help us with our mental health, to help us with our struggle. And while yes, I do believe that our faith can help us through depression, through anxiety, through different struggles. Also, I don't think we ignore the medical side of things and getting the help that we need. I don't think that's healthy. And I think that's not using the resources that God has placed before us.
1: I believe that God gives us grace even in our
0: limitations. When we struggle to have faith with Him, He extends grace to us over and over and over again. You know, I'm not saying it's easy because I struggled. My official and I use air quotes when I say that journey with um, anxiety and depression in addressing my mental health officially. Started in August of 2019. And this was after some things that happened with work and in the ministry that I was in. And um, there was kind of this triggering point. And I finally said, okay, I will go get the help. Um, there was some debilitating anxiety that popped up. And honestly, months leading up to it, I, I can honestly go back to about the fall of 2017 when I really started noticing things and I started to think, okay, I probably have some, some things going on. Some anxiety was starting to come up. Um, it was to the point where it was affecting my physical health, but even still, I wasn't willing to go get help. I just tried to change my situation, um, which was beneficial, but it didn't, it didn't work through everything. And so because I just changed the situation and buried it, it, came back up again. And so it was August of 2019. And I finally started counseling. I went through Texas Baptist and their counseling services with Katie Swafford, And she played matchmaker to get me with a good therapist, um, Tabitha, who was amazing. And I am so grateful for that service that was there and that was available. And so I started counseling and the first thing that I learned was about the feelings wheel. And if you've known me for any amount of time, you know, I'm a big fan of the feelings wheel. And I think I'm a big fan of it because it finally taught me to put words to things that I was feeling. I had never really been taught how to name feelings. And so I would oftentimes just label as I'm frustrated, I'm frustrated. And I frustrated was what I would constantly just say, I'm frustrated when really, I was angry. But in my mind, anger was lashing out and hitting and screaming and very violent. And I'm not a violent person. I don't yell, I don't scream, it's just not who I am. And so I couldn't be angry, because that's not what I was doing. Reality was, I was angry, but I was holding it in. And I wouldn't let it out. And I wouldn't feel it. And I wouldn't acknowledge that I was angry and so it manifested and morphed and I wouldn't acknowledge my emotions. I just would hold it in. And so it would cause this anxiety and it would cause physical symptoms in my body because I wouldn't address it and I wouldn't deal with it. And I also wouldn't acknowledge that I had feelings and that I wasn't responsible for anyone else's feelings, but also that my feelings were valid. And so I started learning this and I started working through this and learning to name my feelings. Um, Tabitha taught me how to know what my feelings were. She taught me how to meditate in moments, how to um, reground myself in moments of anxiety. Um, And at this point, all of this was just learning different techniques. There was no medication at this point, it was just learning different processing techniques. I learned that I'm very much a written processor. And so writing things out helps, but I'm not a journaler that didn't work for me, but I would type out these long text messages to friends and that would help me process. And so a lot of it was just trial and error and learning what worked for me to help me process some big situations that I had to deal with and had to go through and knowing how to navigate those different things. And so what ended up happening COVID hit that next spring and COVID actually was really good for me. It kind of pulled me out of a situation and um, allowed me some time and space to heal, to kind of rediscover who I was as a person. I was working out and that became a space of meditation for me in running. And my mental health was actually really good um, and was a lot better during that season. And then summer came, that's when I met Andrew and, um, you know, again, it was continuing to work because it was a process um, of just slowly working through things. And then I realized, okay, we'd work through one situation and something else kind of would come up. And so we just continued to kind of chip away slowly at things. And then in the spring of 2021, God very clearly called me out of church ministry and out of a situation that was causing some deep anxiety and fear And um, while I needed that for my mental health, it also sent me down a spiral into depression. There was a lot of deep anger at God. And I'll be honest, there was a, a point where I questioned my faith and I asked myself, do I believe in God? And immediately, my deepest response from my heart was, yes, I believe in God. I believe that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I believe that I am a sinner and I believe in God, but I was so, so angry at God. I was angry at him for calling me into a situation. I was angry at the way that it, that things happen. I was angry at the way that he pulled me out of a situation and I was just I was so angry and I was hurt, and I honestly I stayed away from the church um pretty much that whole summer. I needed a break, and um it made me sick honestly to a degree and um i I remember the first Sunday after I wasn't on staff anymore. We went to church my at the time future mother in law was in town from a wedding shower we had had, and she wanted to see where we were getting married and so Sure, we'll go to church. And um, I remember just every song was about God being with us and in the struggle and the hard places. And I just remembered wanting to vomit. I was so mad and upset. And I just wanted to curl up in a ball and just cry because I felt so alone. I knew what God had called me to do and I don't doubt what he called me to do, but I was so mad at him for the way it all happened. And why would he allow those things to happen? Why would he call me out of something that I loved? And why would this get taken away from me? Why would these things happen? And I struggled. I I would watch online here and there um, as the days were good. Um, we tried to go to church one or two other places and it just, I struggled and, you know, I kept, I tried to force myself into scripture and studying God's word. And I just kept coming up empty and feeling more distant. There was a song that came out that summer by Lauren Daigle called hold on to me. And really that song became my anthem. I remembered I'd just sit out on my patio and I really got into plants that summer. And honestly, the plants kind of gave me some life and something to focus on that was good. And so I'd sit out on my patio and I would listen to this song and I would just cry out to God, hold on to me because I can't, I'm struggling to hold on to you right now. Please just hold on to me. I'll get there one day. Hold on to me. And I just remembered feeling just so stuck and I wanted to feel better. I wanted to move forward but I couldn't I remembered feeling like I was in a bottom of a well that was just slick all around and every time I tried to reach up I just got farther down and I remember telling this to my counselor and after a couple weeks she said okay this is no longer situational depression this is now full-on depression and I remember that just kind of hit me like a ton bricks. And while I knew it in my gut, actually hearing it and acknowledging it was a totally different thing. And her advice to then go get antidepressants. And I had always said that I was for antidepressants and if I ever needed them, I would be willing to take them. But then actually having to acknowledge that I have depression and I need
1: medication to help was a really hard
0: metaphorical pill to swallow and at the same time that she said this my insurance had been taken away because I my new job didn't have insurance and Andrew and I weren't married yet so I wasn't on his and so it was how on earth am I going to get insurance and God worked it all out and luckily my old provider who I'd just seen a couple months prior wrote a prescription and I was able to start the antidepressants. I really struggled though with taking them Um, and accepting that it was something I needed. I was embarrassed that I needed antidepressants, but did they make a world of difference? I can remember the weeks following just how I, they tell you it can take a while for it to help, but for me within about a week, I could tell, and it wasn't a high dose. It was a very basic um, medication, but it was very helpful for me. Still is very helpful. I don't know why I'm saying was I'm still on them. And so things started to kind of turned upward. Andrew and I got married. We ended up moving to Dallas and I had a friend there who they needed a part-time children's minister. And so he said, Hey, would you want to come help out? And I was hesitant because I'd been so hurt and struggling with God. And I didn't, I struggled with how do I have this strained relationship with God, but yet I'm supposed to lead people in a ministerial type of role. Again, I still believed God was my savior and everyone's savior, but he and I definitely were not best friends at this point in time. But in all honesty, I do believe God called us there. And I believe that he called us there for a place to heal. I needed that as a place to heal. I needed to heal my relationship with God, my relationship with worship, my relationship with the church. And that's exactly what that space ended up being. But even in the course of that time and slow progression of healing, my depression actually got worse after um, we found out we were pregnant. And honestly, it was probably hormones mixing in with things that did not help. And so we got to about Christmas of 2021. and it got really bad. And um, school and finishing up grad school was a definitely a trigger of things. And so it kind of sent me into a spiral. And, um, and it had also been really tough on Andrew. And while he handled and continues to handle my depression and mental health amazingly, it's hard. It is very hard on a caregiver of someone with mental health. And it's, it's hard to be someone else and to watch someone else have mental health struggles because you, you feel so helpless. You feel like you can't do anything. And we want to just do, 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 but sometimes all they need is to just have some space um, and just presence, but that's hard. And it's hard when someone is so different from what, you know, who they can be and they're not that. And, um, I just, if you are a caregiver of someone with mental health, I say this in all seriousness and in the truest sense, I pray that the Lord blesses you for that because it's not easy. Um, it's watching Andrew care for me over the last couple of years. Um, it's so tough on him at times. And so there was this point where he was struggling with the way I had been feeling and the depression was slowly getting worse and it was New Year's Eve night and um, he had already fallen asleep and I was laying there and this intrusive thought came that I just wanted it all to end. I wanted it to be over and my unborn son at the time did not deserve a mother who struggled with depression and he deserved someone else. And I just wanted someone to take him and
1: get rid of me. And that thought scared me so much. I remember laying there and just crying. saying, God, I don't want to die.
0: I just want this all to end. I was so scared that my brain had the power to have that thought. And that thought was not really my thought. I was scared to tell other people about it. And honestly, I've not been very open about that because I don't, I didn't want to scare
1: people. And I finally
0: told Andrew the next day and I was so afraid to tell him because I didn't want to scare him. And we had just been talking about how hard my depression had been for him. But as he typically does, he took it like a champ and made sure that, you know, I talked about it with my counselor. We agreed it was probably wise to meet with my OB and up my dosage. And so we intensified our therapy and what we were doing. We started doing EMDR, which was so helpful. Um, It's a, it's a, it's, it's an eye movement treatment um that is done to help work through traumatic situations to help rapidly um work through traumatic situations and events and um that combined with upping my dose um we were able to start moving forward and this was the first time that i really felt like i started making progress forward um And have really, for the most part, have not been back in that situation again. And my counselor affirmed and, you know, assured me that that's called an intrusive thought. That does not mean that I'm suicidal. Um, That there were different steps and things before we kind of got to that point. But acknowledging that it happened and that it was there and knowing what it was, was so helpful because I didn't know it scared me so much because I'd never heard of that. No one's ever talked about that before, you know? And again, I believe in God. So why would I want my life to end? Why would I want to end this? I feel called to his ministry. Why would I want to end that? So it was hard holding those two things together. (laughs) And so we continue to work through things and we continue to talk you know, and slowly started to heal. And my relationship with God started to heal. And I began, you know, working through things and where was God calling me in ministry and calling us as a family as Alaska was coming to the table and we were getting ready for our son to be born. And um and so I finished up grad school finally and then Augie, our son, was born the next week. And then we got the surprise that he has Down syndrome. And honestly, I remember getting back to my hospital room after they'd swept him away to the NICU and I told my nurse, I need to make sure I get my Lexapro. <laughs> I said, I'm gonna need it. I, I said, I, I'm so confused. And I said, I'm gonna need my antidepressants. And honestly, I didn't struggle near as bad as I thought I was going to because I'd worked hard to build the tools to work through things. And I immediately set an appointment with my counselor and we met. I made sure to stay on top of my antidepressants. I practiced the things that we had worked through in years prior leading up to this point and what would very understandably send someone into a deep Depression, I was able to work through and I was able to lean into God. And, yep, I still struggled with anger with Him. And, you know, I questioned why wasn't this found in, you know, the genetic testing we did. But I look back at the point in time that we did the genetic testing was when my depression was at its worst. And, Had we found out at that point, I don't know at that point if I could have handled it. I don't think it would have helped my mental state at all at that point in time. And so while it can be frustrating, I also see where God was protecting us and protecting me in that. And I still struggle with and wrestle with God and It moments, but I also, Augie has already brought so much joy and light to our life. I wouldn't change him for the world. He gives me something to live for and to care for him and to provide him with the best life possible. And moving to Alaska definitely had its challenges of its own and being so far from family and friends and the darkness that comes with winter and, um, just some different things like that. And some moments of struggling to fully care for myself, mix that with postpartum hormones and um, all of it together can be a struggle. Um, and I'll be honest, I've struggled to get connected with a counselor up here. And I feel like, well, for the most part I'm doing well, there's still some things that I can work through. And I want to have a counselor up here that when I do feel like I need it, I can go to that I have an established relationship with. And so that's a, a place where I'm struggling right now. But one of my biggest struggles in all of this with depression and all these emotions and these feelings were, you know, deep anger with God for allowing me to be in these situations. And I struggled a lot with myself and that my why couldn't my brain just handle this? Why couldn't I just handle these situations? Why did these things have to be so traumatic for me? Why couldn't I just handle it? So many other people just handle it. Why couldn't I handle it? Why was it so hard for me? And I struggled so much to accept grace for myself. To accept that I'm exactly who God made me to be. All of my struggles and all. And that God has grace for me, even in my anger at him. It was like, I thought that God couldn't handle my questioning or God couldn't handle my anger. God couldn't handle this. God couldn't handle me not, you know, with my anxiety and, you know, I'm such a failure because scripture says, don't be anxious, but pray. And I was doing the complete opposite. And so it was almost like these were unforgivable in my mind. And
1: how can God love me through those? And my counselor, she reminded me, she said, you don't think God can handle that? So yeah, he can. She said, then why don't you believe it? I said, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And I realized, you know, I have no problem
0: telling other people to accept God's grace. I have no problem saying God offers grace to you. You just need to accept it. I've I've shared the gospel so many times. I've walked with people through accepting Christ as their savior and kids. And I've explained this and, but for me, it just seemed unfathomable.
1: Well, God's grace is good enough for other people, but not for me. I,
0: I'm supposed to know better. I'm a minister. I'm supposed to know better. My relationship with him is supposed to be this certain way. I couldn't be farther from the truth.
1: You know, our relationship with Christ, I
0: believe, ebbs and flows all the time. And I do believe that. We should do our best to have an an abiding
1: relationship with God.
0: But there are times when we find ourselves in such deep winters or moments of darkness that
1: we desperately want God, but we
0: struggle to see him. We struggle to find him. And so I say all this to say, well, yes, I do believe we should do our best to seek God, to be in church, to be in his word and to try to know him better. I also fully understand and know what it's like to be in the place where you just can't be in the church at that moment or being in God's word
1: is really hard for you. It's hard to believe and it's hard to hear. And so I just want to say it's okay. God still
0: loves you. and God still has grace for you. Even in those moments of such deep anger and fear and hurt and what, for whatever is going on in your life. And no matter your situation that God's
1: grace is still there for you in it all. And that it's okay to seek help. It's okay for it to be a
0: process of working back towards a relationship with God. It is now March of 2023.
1: I am going on.
0: three and a half years of counseling and deep mental health issues And my relationship with God has ebbed and flowed from some very high highs to some extreme lows in those three and a half years.
1: But again, our relationship with God is a relationship. It's active. It's
0: alive. God is alive and with us, and he's with us even when we can't see him. And that's where that illustration of thinking about the northern lights was so impactful because even when you couldn't see them, they're still there.
1: You just couldn't see them. And it's hard sometimes when you can't see it. And even in the moments when God is silent, still there
0: you know we look at scripture and we look at Jesus's life and we look at you know even just Jesus's time in the desert
1: God was still with him even though he didn't hear from him we look at the Israelites and they spent 40 years. Whole generations died. God is with them. They just had to trust him and follow him even though they didn't always hear from him. There would be hundreds of years gaps in scripture where they hadn't heard from a prophet or hadn't heard from God. But God was still there. God was faithful with Jesus and fulfilling the promise. And he's faithful with us. None of our sins are too big. For God. None of our emotions
0: are too big for God. Our depression, our anxiety, and the things that come with it are not too big for God. God can handle your anger, God can handle
1: your sadness, God can handle your grief, God can handle your questions. He is the perfect father who is there for us in our hurt and in our pain and even in our silence. So we have to have this conversation of mental health. And church, we
0: have got to stop shaming people in saying that their faith isn't strong enough or trying to judge someone based on their involvement in a church and let that be the status of someone's mental health because that could not be farther from the truth.
1: If people saw me from the outside, they had no clue what was going on on the inside. We have got to start being there for people and holding space and saying it's okay and it's okay to get help.
0: We have to start opening doors and helping people get connected with the medical professionals professionals that can help them and stop shaming and stop saying that mental health is just an excuse or a cry for attention. You know what? Maybe it is. Maybe it's because someone feels alone. So instead of just saying, oh, they're just crying out for attention, maybe give it to them because
1: they need to feel loved. Typically, anyone who's suicidal, they don't actually want to die. They just want the pain to end. And
0: that requires us being there for people and helping get them connected with resources. And if you don't know how to help someone, ask around, ask a pastor at your church, ask a medical professional, call the suicide hotline, Google. This is an issue that is big in our world today. And I'm sorry, but you can't deny it. If you deny it, you're adding to the problem. We've got to acknowledge the struggle that is out there because it is real and it is from the devil and it is attacking people. We've got to do our best to help provide resources and get connections. In church, we should be the ones leading the way. We should be a source of hope. Because I promise you, God is not turning his back on those who struggle. He is opening his arms wide open to them, and we should
1: be doing the same. So,
0: I know that this is a hard subject and a hard topic, and gosh, there's just a million things I would love to cover and talk about. And already this is the longest episode I've recorded because it's such an important topic to me. And so I apologize for the length, but if this is something you're struggling with, or you need help getting connected to resources, reach out to me, reach out to a medical professional in your area, um, reach out to a local pastor. Um, there, you know, if you are looking for a counselor, um, find someone who's licensed. Um, anyone can call themselves a Christian counselor, but then they're not necessarily trained. So, Find someone who has actually been to school, who is actually a licensed professional counselor. Um, there's a difference between therapist and psychologist. Psychologists deal more with kind of the chemicals and the medications, um, therapists do more, um, do different types of treatment um, and that sort of thing. A therapist cannot prescribe you antidepressants, a psychiatrist can, um, but a therapist will work with your primary care doctor if that's something that you need. Um, but definitely find someone who's a trained professional. Um, while I love pastors and I loved my time as being a pastor minister, we are not trained to be counselors. Your pastor should not ever offer you more than about one or two sessions of counseling before they are referring you on to a professional. Um, and same with a, you know, Christian counselor, um, make sure that they are licensed. And also legally, a counselor is not supposed to push their faith on anyone. um, And you are supposed to lead the conversation in where how faith um, is brought about um, through your therapy. And so um, be aware of that. And also finding a counselor is like dating, not give, give yourself a couple tries, give a therapist, you know, two or three sessions. And then if it's not working, go find a different one. Um, there are multiple out there, multiple to choose from. Um, and also keep in mind that most insurances, um, do cover, um, therapy. You just have to find, um, which providers, you know, work with your insurance, um, and that sort of thing. So there are lots of options out there. There's a lot of different providers, but again, find a professional who is licensed, um, and who doesn't just claim the name counselor, um, uh, but someone who's actually done the training and has training on different um techniques to help you um through that. So um all that to say, don't be ashamed. Um you know and if it's something that you struggle with and you need help with, I would love to continue this conversation with you. Um I would be happy to have a phone conversation or a Zoom meeting or whatever. Um and let's talk about it um, because it's something that needs to be talked about and your feelings in your struggles, um, they're valid. Um, and there are people who can help. Um, and so, um, let's help find that help and let's, let's let God use these professionals that he has equipped and called to help us. Um, so again, um, I'm just thankful for you guys and uh, thankful that we can have this conversation. So thank you for taking the time to listen. And again, I am here If I can be of any help in any way, just know that God loves you. Whatever it is you're going through is not too big for him. Um, And he's standing with his arms wide open to you. So thank you again for listening to the Abiding Family Podcast, and we'll be back with another episode next week.